Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. No pain, no gain. An exercise motto I think we've all heard. No pain, no gain promises greater value rewards for the price of hard and even painful work. For us as Christians, today's gospel reminds us that this is also a banner phrase of the kingdom of God. Last week, we heard about the little suffering the disciples would experience at the death of Christ and how that would be turned into an unspeakable joy just a few days later. No pain, no gain. Jesus, the God person, must experience an unspeakable death to gain life for the world. Moreover, God himself chooses to give up his place in infinite eternity to experience our finite temporality in every aspect in order to save us and provide us the path to renewal. Out of Adam's side came the rib that formed Eve and birthed the entire human race. But out of Jesus' side came water and blood, a new birth that makes us all able to be the children of God. We too can become God persons through the grace of God. We heard the crucifixion and death of Christ compared to labor pains, which are unimaginably bad. Now I admit I'm unable to experience them, but I'm told they're at least as bad as a kidney stone which I have had the sincere displeasure of experiencing. Yet those labor pains are forgotten when the child is born because another little bundle of joy has entered the world. It's truly a moment of unspeakable joy and beauty. So much so that Jesus tells us that the woman no longer remembers the anguish of labor. But here we are a week later, and again, there's a message from Jesus that another sorrow is to come. This time he's not just leaving for a little while, but for an entire age. Of course, the disciples thought he was coming back soon. He did say that after all, but they quickly realized that soon on God's time is not soon on ours. As St. Peter tells us in his second epistle, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Yet this week again, he tells the disciples no pain, no gain. He tells them that, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter, or more precisely, the paraclete, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So what is a paraclete? It's actually not so easy to answer. This is the only place that the word appears in the Bible in this form, although there is another place in the Septuagint within the book of Job that it appears in a more active and plural form, meaning comforters. It also doesn't happen too often in non-Jewish classical Greek texts. And when it does, it has more of a legal meaning. And even in modern Hebrew, the cognate is used in words for solicitor or district attorney or even solicitor general. However, this feature of lawyers to plead one's case on their behalf is also captured here because ultimately we're told in Mark that when they bring you to trial, meaning the disciples, and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. 
For it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And likewise, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit is here to comfort and help us by advocating for us when we do not even know where to begin. Yet here Jesus tells us that the paraclete is acting as a lawyer because he reproves. This word in English is translating the Greek word elinko, which means to expose or convict. That is, to convince with clear and compelling evidence, particularly to expose something wrong or hidden, something we hope lawyers do. And what is it that the paraclete is here to elinko? to expose or convict us of. Jesus tells us of three specific things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he goes on to explain each. Each has to do at one level with his coming death. First, the present sin of not believing in him will lead them to murder the author of life. Second, his resurrection and ascension will prove to them that he is indeed the Son of God, as he always said. And the sending of the Holy Spirit will prove in yet another sense that he is God, because he says that the coming of the Holy Spirit is God's will, and his coming, as Jesus promised, proves that his will is one and the same with the Father. Finally, the prince of this world, the devil, is judged. Jesus, says death, defeats death. The curse that the prince of the world brought upon it, and that's just the start. Renewal, rebirth, and recreation must come. The Holy Spirit descends upon the earth, recreating it and breathing a new life into it that no one can take away, not even the devil and his wiles. The Holy Spirit proves that the devil is indeed defeated once and for all, because he came and abides with us and in us still to this very day. God is with us. The, God, the Jews knew that God's Shekinah glory had left the temple, and they awaited it with great hope. They wanted God to again be with them. Little did they expect that God would really be with them, not in the temple in Jerusalem, but in the temple of every person's heart. Indeed, great should be our joy. As Jesus says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. I don't think this is intended to be a passive show. We're not just watching some cosmic television. Instead, Jesus is saying that the Father has, whatever the Father has is also Jesus's, and that the Spirit shall take what is Jesus's and the Father's and share it with each of us so that we can experience it directly. That is, if you're willing to. But it will still take you some pain to obtain the gain. One of the seeming paradoxes of our faith is that you must suffer to achieve glory. People often wonder why there is pain and suffering in this world. And while there is no easy answer to this, and events of the last week in my life and those around me have once again brought this to the front of my mind, a young woman in the prime of her life died, and for another person dear to my heart, as if having your house burned down nearly completely wasn't enough, 
Well, they decided to have a flood where you were storing all the stuff in your house while it got fixed. For others out there, this Memorial Day weekend brings a painful reminder of a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a relative, a friend who lost their lives in service to this country. These sort of events make one want to shake their fist at heaven. Oh, and trust me, I did. But if we do that, our anger is misdirected. Satan is the source of evil, not God. Yet God proves that he is in control by taking even the worst of circumstances and turning them for the better. Everything happens for a reason, but not in the traditional sense. We should not for a moment believe that God thinks that anything bad happens for the best. Yes, occasionally God, I do believe, sends us a wake-up call that we're seriously on the wrong track. Sometimes the medicine tastes bad, the vaccine stings a little. But even in those cases, it is us who are at fault, who through our complicity with Satan have just a tiny bit of our own enormous debt come due. Sometimes people who believe in the ultimate omnipotence of God wonder why he providentially allows for this evil. After all, if God's all-powerful and what I say is true, that he doesn't want any bad to happen, why doesn't he just make it all stop? Well, the answer for us as Orthodox Christians is simple. God bestowed upon mankind, and if I may also note upon the angels, free will. In that creative act, God irrevocably gave up some of his power. But in return, he got something he could get in no other way, true love. Instead of robots, he created living beings. You can't make someone love you. God knows that. God wanted to spread the love eternally present between the three persons of the Trinity, and boy, did he ever. But with that came the possibility of rejection. That's sin. And unfortunately, some of the angels in mankind from the beginning have chosen to reject the love of God and bring evil into the world. So no, God does not make bad happen for good. Banish the thought. When we blame God for bad things, Satan wins. We're misplacing the blame. Instead, we must understand that yes, indeed, bad things happen for a reason. And that reason is the prince of darkness and ourselves when we choose to be on Satan's team rather than God's. Yet what is so amazing is that God can turn the deepest, darkest evil into something good. I guess this should come as a little surprise, since even a little light can fill an entire darkness. God hopes that like so many of his disciples throughout the ages, we will stop being on Satan's team and instead take the darkness all around us and bring a little light to it. And thereby we will be able to turn a seeming evil into a good. And when we do, we show our power over the darkness, evil and the devil. When we do, we show the Holy Spirit lives within us. When we do, we show that we are like Christ, the children of God. When we do, we use our gift of free will from God to love God and neighbor, not the darkness. When the world seems to be against you, call on the paraclete who lives in your hearts. O heavenly King, the comforter, the spirit of truth, who art present everywhere and fillest all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious one. And never forget that we are called to share in the pain of this world 
to take up our crosses and follow the Lord, to turn that pain into gain, into the joy and salvation of everyone around us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.